That's the benefits I think we see in GIY when we get people growing food. Those behavior changes that happen in the medium term is, I think, where the real impact is, actually. And that's what makes it very exciting. And if we can do it at a big enough scale, get, you know, a lot of people doing it, then that has potential to really transform the the food system for the better. I'm Dr. Mark Rowe and welcome to my podcast, In the Doctor's Chair. As a family physician, my expertise is supporting people in the areas of positive health and lifestyle medicine. Join me in conversations that share life lessons, health habits and leadership practices, focusing on positive psychology, lifestyle medicine and ways that enable you to live with more vitality on purpose. Appreciating that when it comes to your vitality, that everything is so interconnected. Episodes will air weekly, and you can find me wherever you listen to your podcasts. And of course, on my website, drmarkrow.com. As a practicing family doctor with expertise in lifestyle as medicine, my purpose is to encourage and support you in terms of positive health, personal growth, and all things well-being. As I say, to never stop starting. Each month on a live webinar, I teach learning by doing and learning by being the why and the how of health enhancing habits, giving you the science as well as support strategies to live with more vitality. I'd like to invite you to join my self-development club. To learn more and to sign up, visit drmarkrow.com. I'm delighted to be joined in the doctor's chair today by Mick Kelly. Mick is a social entrepreneur, author and TV presenter. As founder of the global movement Grow It Yourself, GIY, He's worked with his team of changemakers to build and grow GIY into a leading global social enterprise headquartered here in Waterford, Ireland. He has co-presented and produced three series of Grow, Cook, Eat for national television in Ireland and also watched around the world on Amazon Prime. As an Ashoka fellow, he has written four books to date. Mick, you're very welcome to the doctor's chair. Thank you, Mark. Lovely to be here. I have to start, you know, Janus, the the Roman god of January, had, you know, two heads, first head looking back, second head looking forward. So I want to start by looking back, make it and ask you, you know, where did this all come from? Where did your passion for sustainability and, and, and growing it yourself, where did it all start? Well, it really is a kind of, I suppose, a lived experience um, yeah. that I, I growing food kind of changed my life, really. And I suppose they, you know, the way they say there's no zealot like a convert. When I saw the impact it had in my own life, I just felt like everybody should be doing it, really. That that was the genesis of it. And and how I got into growing was I basically had a kind of a road to Damascus moment in a, in a supermarket here in Waterford one day. And I was about to buy some garlic and noticed it was from China and just got really <clears throat> kind of curious about, you know, where my food was coming from and why, why were we importing something so small and cheap from the other side of the world and kind of went down the rabbit hole of trying to sort of understand that. And of course, when you when you kind of do that, you realize it's actually very common. Most of the vegetables and fruit that we eat, unfortunately, are imported in, in this country still. And so I, I kind of decided uh, this was probably around the mid 2000s to, to try growing some garlic myself just to try and understand, you know, how it all worked and, and uh, why we would try, why we would be importing it. And um, as soon as I sort of did that, I, I, I really got bitten by the bug of food growing and, you know, really over the next couple of years, just just got, you know, um, 
absolutely fascinated by it and felt felt absolutely empowered by it and, and saw the impact it had on my own my my physical health and my mental health and how it kind of changed my my habits and behaviors around food completely um and that was really the sort of i think the insight then to 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 start GOI which started here in Waterford uh, in 2008 as a very small community group here and then subsequently turned into a bit of a beast of a social enterprise all these years later i mean i really like that idea you know uh, because they always talk about change you know change happens twice first change starts on the inside and then on the outside and really, that was that kind of garlic uh, experience really has become your why. I'm curious to understand more about you said that, you know, you, you notice the benefits for yourself in terms of your own physical health, in terms of your mental health, in terms of your habits, choices and behaviors. Could you tell us about that? Yeah, um, I, I suppose like physically, um, when you grow your own food, you know, even if it's not a huge percentage of the total food you're you're consuming, like, but it it definitely. I mean, it's a it's a it's a physical activity that gets you out in the fresh air and 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 it's exercise in its own right, of course. But you're also kind of yeah, you have access to very very healthy, nutritious food, and and I I kind of firmly believe that as soon as you sort of pick food off a plant or pick vegetables off a plant, I suppose more specifically, they they start to die effectively. So the the earlier you can kind of consume them. The fresher they are, the better the better it is for your health, and the more nutritious that food is. So I think I think when you're growing food, you're eating a lot more really nutritious food, particularly if it's coming out of living soil. So so that side of it, I think, is the is the physical aspect of it. It's also from a mental health perspective. I think it's just this extraordinarily optimistic kind of hopeful activity mm-hmm. that you're always looking kind of six months down the line to what what's going to be happening in in the veg garden in that time. So it's a very very forward looking thing. But at the same time, when you're actually doing it, it's a very mindful activity. Of course, Mm -hmm. you're sort of getting out of your head and into your hands and you're working, you know, it's a very dexterous kind of a process. So it's great. It's great headspace. And and the behavior changes that I saw, I I think we've done a lot of research over the years years into this into these areas and and we'd sort of summarize it in maybe four or five different things so food growers tend to they tend to eat more plants which is you know all all the science tells us that's the you know the planet friendly and are the or the planet healthy and healthy for ourselves as well certainly wasting less food you know what i was buying outside of the stuff i was growing myself i was i was supporting more local food more seasonal food again which i believe is more nutritious by by default and i suppose reducing my food pollution so the sort of contaminants that are in food through through the production process and and packaging and so on afterwards so it just it just completely changed everything and and i guess the <clears throat> it started as maybe 5 or 10% of the food i was eating i was growing myself and it built over time but the behavior change i think within a kind of a 3 to 5 year period was was pretty profound and that's the sort of that's the benefits i think we see in GOI when we get people growing food those behavior changes that happen in the medium term is i think where the real impact is actually and that's what makes it very exciting and if we can do it at a big enough scale get you know a lot of people do Doing it, then that has potential to really transform the the food system for the better. Well, I think it was Margaret Mead that said, you know, the the, the actions. I'm paraphrasing now, but the actions of a few inspired people can, can literally change the world. And uh, you know, I think none of us should should underestimate the the potential impact we can have through our own actions and and through our own leadership. I mean, I think it's you're you really hit the nail on the head. I mean, I think being in nature is such a mindful activity and 
you're describing, I think, very well this this idea of learning by doing. You started small, you learn from your own experiences, you reflected on the benefits, and then you appreciated those benefits and then you you expanded it. You were also learning by being, you were appreciating the gift of being present and being able to really appreciate, I suppose, the joy of being in nature. Yeah, exactly. I mean, some of the happiest moments in my life and and still, you know, is is mm getting a half an hour or 45 minutes in in the veg garden either and it doesn't really matter what i'm doing but it's just you know i'm like like most of us i suppose our lives are very are very busy very fragmented there's there's a lot of a lot of stuff going on in our in our heads i think all the time mm-hmm. and i think i think there's very few activities now the rest time that we used to have for our heads i think has been taken up by by phones and social media and devices and so on. So I think that makes us even more agitated and less mindful. So I think just getting out and doing some mindful activity like that as part of your day or even as part of your week is so it's so important now now more than ever, I think. And it doesn't really it doesn't have to be growing, of course. It could be it can be cooking, it can be it can be knitting. It doesn't really matter. But just getting out of your head and into your hands by doing something, I think is is um it's a very important thing. I love that line, get out of your head and get into your hands. The idea of in a world that's so full of distraction and and noise and and toxic stress at times, to gift yourself the opportunity to be more present, I think is really such a gift for your self-care and for for everybody around you. Mick, can I ask you, you spoke about nature and, and growing in nature, really building that sense of optimism, which I completely agree with. I mean, there's, I think Confucius said, if you want to be happy for a lifetime, uh, pl- plant a garden, uh, because there's something intuitively positive and optimistic about having the faith to plant the seeds and look at what you're going to reap uh, next year or the year after. So I want to ask you, just in terms of GIY, obviously it's grown significantly over the years. If we were to look at five years from now, you know, how do you hope things will change for the better in terms of, I suppose, in terms of GIY and in, in terms of this idea of people growing their own and sustainability in general? I mean, like at the start of this decade, Mark, we we kind of, what we've got very good at is is running kind of campaigns and programs that get a, a large volume of people growing their own food um and you know this this uh, last year rather around probably around 1.3 or 1.4 million people took part in in one of our programs so we're we're sort of we don't do everything yeah it's brilliant we like we don't do everything brilliantly but we do that bit very well no one does um, by the way <laughs> yeah exactly no exactly that but at the start of this decade which is the decade of action for climate change and and probably our last chance to sort of achieve the sustainable development goals we we set ourselves a goal to try and reach 100 million people by the end of the decade and it's it's um it's one of those almost ridiculous goals for moonshot. yeah exactly it's a moonshot that's a great way to describe it and that's a kind of a slightly terrifying almost you know for the first year or two of this decade i was almost a little bit sort of embarrassed by it or or apologetic for it but i i believe and i'm sure you'd you'd be of similar mind that that when you set a goal or an intention like that it, it sort of has itself once you internalize it, it has its own sort of self-organizing power, I think, in some ways. And, you know, that that's the goal that we have to try and reach that number of people. And and I think that that could be like a scale of of people growing their own food that could be a genuine tipping point in, in the food system. 
that's really what we're working for. And one, once you internalize that goal, it gets talked about every day in our organization. And, and we're constantly looking, scanning the horizon, looking for kind of opportunities that will help us achieve that. It means we're, we're going to, you know, we obviously have to operate outside of Ireland and, and really run our programs at scales, unimaginable scales to us. Um, so the next kind of two to three years are really critical for, as an organization, we need to get you know, we need to try and become the kind of organization that can handle that kind of growth and, and um, try and keep ourselves sane in, in the process. So we're sort of we're simultaneously doubling down in Waterford. We're, we're, we're trying to buy a farm at the moment to sort of expand, you know, the foundation of our of our education work and so on here, um, while also simultaneously trying to scale out what we do around the world. So it's it's an incredibly challenging exciting ambitious kind of a time time that we're in and you know i i genuinely believe the food system needs to be completely completely overhauled it's it's parts of it for sure are completely broken um and unless we do that you know the the sort of crisis the twin crises of climate climate emergency and human health are going to continue you know mm-hmm, fantastic i mean i think one one of the real challenges for leaders and for people that have a big vision is sometimes the pace of change that sometimes uh, reality and everyday change can be frustratingly slow. Um, you know, you see this. You see this in all sectors. Do you ever get frustrated, Mick, by the by the pace of change, the gap between what you know needs to happen versus what is happening, and how do you deal with that? You have to keep the. The, the vision and the goal kind of front of mind at all times. I get frustrated for sure. I'm I'm very good at sort of setting the big vision. I'm not so good at making the trains run on time. And so the 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 sort of the day to day kind of grind of making it all work like is I find that a little bit more challenging. I think it's really important that you surround yourself. You you recognize the things you're good at, and the things you aren't, and surround yourself with with mm. good people who can. The whole system, I suppose, needs to have a, a really good blend of all of those things. You just have to keep showing up. You know, I think that's the most important thing and keep the mission at the forefront of your mind all the time. And it always, from the outside, maybe it looks very linear that, you know, we, we started at small in Waterford and we're growing and growing. And it's, it looks like a straight line from the outside. In reality, it's much more of a squiggly line. Um and and you know there's there's been huge highs and also tremendous lows as well at the same time you know that you have to muscle through yeah i think you're so right i think somebody said once you know 50% of success in life is is showing up and and, and being consistent and, and staying true to your true to your values and and true to your purpose I think, you know, 10 million this decade, I think that's a fantastically exciting idea. And, um, you know, I think with JFK, you know, spoke about the moonshot, but they got to the moon too. So why not? Exactly. I remember I remember hearing a guy talking about that, actually. And he said, wouldn't it wouldn't it be interesting to have been at the meeting the day after JFK set that goal um, in, in, you know, the NASA (laughs) engineers when they all sat down to say, oh, okay, like, that's how are we going to make this happen? And that's the that's the bit about you know how the sausages get made, which we don't always see. Um, but it's 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 such an important part of it too, of course. So, how do you stay healthy yourself, Mick? I mean, obviously, you know, growing and eating your own food is is a key part of that. And you know, we know from Hippocrates, you know, f- food is medicine, and you know, the microbiome and all the the benefits of eating lots of color and lots of plants. But but what other sort of health enhancing habits do you have in your in your lifestyle? 
I'm a very boring person in in some ways, Mark, in that my my day job is getting people to grow food and my hobby is growing food. <laughs> it, <laughs> it it makes it all very authentic, but it's also mm. very, you know, it's just that's just it. Like I I I still love um every weekend in, in the summer, it'll be every day, I'd say been out in the garden and um all the all the mindful benefits that come from that. I'm a kind of a stop start meditator. I don't have the discipline to keep it going all the time, but I I kind of try to do a bit of that as well. Do a bit of running to kind of keep keep healthy. I do find getting 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 out and getting a run it's it's a brilliant way to get the heart kind of really pumping properly. You know, I think walking is 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 great as well, but I just find with running I I always feel better even if I have had a crap day or I feel a bit crap. I I if I go out for a run for half mm. an hour, I just feel I always feel better. I never, I never feel worse after a run, you know. So they're the kind of main things. Really, I I try to eat healthily most of the time, and um, of course, like family is always is always an amazing. I've I've two young teenagers, I suppose uh, you would say, and um, spending time with family at the weekends and stuff is a is a lovely thing as well. Brilliant. I mean, you know, walking is great. You know, movement is medicine, but. The idea of lifestyle as medicine would now say, you know, about 150 minutes of moderately intense exercise each week is wonderful for your heart health and to help prevent chronic health conditions, improve biological aging. Um, so there's a wealth of science behind that. And of course, running or getting that heart rate up a bit is, is a great way to do that. But equally importantly, and you said it there yourself, it feels good for you. So you feel that it's a great way to de-stress and you you feel better, you feel more energized after exercising. And I think that's that's really important that we all take the time to listen to ourselves and know ourselves well enough to know what suits us and and what makes us tick. So I think that that's that's terrific. Mick, could I ask you for our listeners, it's something I ask each time on the podcast, could you share three ideas, three take-homes to support a more resilient mind? I think in general, I would say that like for the sort of success that we've had as an organization over the last, you know, nearly 14 years now, the number one reason for that success, I think, is resilience. And and for my own kind of personal leadership, as you as you put it, I think resilience is the number one quality that a really, a really good leader needs because you know, those those kind of highs and lows that I talked about, like being showing up when you get knocked down and 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 there there are plenty of those knocks in that time, you know, just just showing up is the number one thing, I think, um, to keep to keep going. Um so so I think that's that's just a general point I would make. I think I have kind of learned that um when when I get um when I get challenged and my mind gets very busy and my my kind of you know the the ego mind gets kind of ramped up and and like fear and doubt and all those things kind of try and try and kind of um dominate i suppose i've i've learned number one try not trying not to act in those moments because mm-hmm. i always feel like i i do i make the worst decisions at those times if i react yeah. quickly yeah. so learning to kind of sit with the with the feeling of feeling uneasy and and i think your 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 whole fiber of your being is crying out for you to do something send that email make that phone call you know cause a row or whatever i think learning just to sit with that a little bit it's very important and also to try and kind of catch yourself 
having those those fears and doubts. I think if you do that, you you manage to create just a little bit of distance. You're watching the fear and the the thoughts, um, rather than being those thoughts. I think is a is a it's a, it's a very subtle thing, but it's a hugely important it's a hugely important skill to have. I think that you're not giving them too much power. And of course, if you do give them power, they turn into recurring thoughts or emotions, which is where when things get really damaging um, to your mental health. So I think just having that little bit of distance and above all, like, as I said, staying staying focused on the overall your overall mission. I mean, I, I there's a Japanese concept called Ikigai. I don't know mm-hmm. if I'm pro- even pronouncing it right, but Ikigai. The, it's spelled I I K I G A I. Yes. And it's it's kind of a state of sort of, you know, peak flow in your in your work or in your life. And and I think there's there's three or four kind of key principles. One is that you're 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 working at something that you can do better than anybody else. And that's you know, that's a really important thing. Finding the thing that the the skill that you have that that you can do better than anybody else is a really important thing very important to get paid properly for it as well you know like there's it's no point working at something you love if if you're on the on the breadline as it were and i think the final one which is the most important thing is is you're working at something that the world needs um and so i feel very privileged like that i that i have all those three things i think i can do this work as well as anyone in the world i i'm i'm lucky enough to be to be paid a decent wage for it and the world really needs it and that just feels like you know, an incredible privilege to be able to 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 do that and spend your work life like that. Like they they do say, if you can find that, you'll never day work a day in your life. I don't fully agree with that. I think it's it's still tremendously hard work, but at the same time, it's it's um it feels different to other jobs I've had where I feel like I've just been earning, you know, working to to earn a living. You know, so it's it's a it's a very I feel very privileged to be in that situation. Well, for me, Mick, it sounds like you've you've connected who you are with what you do. And there's yeah. that seamless, seamless connection, um, which is rooted in in a very strong sense of value-led purpose. And and that's really very powerful. And if you can join those dots together and get that out into the world, you know, that you can become unstoppable. I would agree with that. And and then and then if you can build skills for resilience into your into your mind then the the knocks that will come and they will come you know hopefully you can kind of find find a way through those the sort of you know the dark nights of the soul that happen they will happen to to even even in that state of flow i think if you're resilient you can you can hopefully power through them and get to the get to the the promised land as it were you know henley henley put it very well in his beautiful poem invictus he said i am the master of my fate i am the captain of my soul and I think, you know, when you when you come at things through that sense of value led purpose, you will have the resilience to not just surf the wave of, of the good times and the exciting times and the growth, but you'll also have the ability to deal with the tough times and the setbacks and the knocks. So I think that's fantastic, Mick. Finally, can I ask you, um, for you, what's the meaning of life? I think for me, like I have a kind of a mantra, I suppose, which is like, I, I guess it's a kind of a life goal or whatever. And it, it's, it's, I, I won't share it completely because it's a very personal thing. But to me, it's like, it's about, you know, feeling like you're living a life that has a lot of joy, a lot of love, a lot of purpose and meaning, you know, that you're, you're prosperous and, and healthy and happy. Um, and that you're a good, you know, a good, person and a, and a, a kind of a, a caring husband and father and friend and so on. I think if you can live a life like that, you're not doing too bad, you know. So I think that's what life is about for me, for sure. 
Well, Mick, thanks for sharing that. You know, it's been really wonderful having you on the doctor's chair. Um, I just want to say I'm, I'm a great admirer of Mick Kelly and, and the work he's done and the passion and purpose he brings to what he does and the, the ambition and, and the vision he has for making the world a better place, a healthier place. Mick, keep leading, keep inspiring, keep changing the world uh, one GIY at a time. Thank you so much. Thanks a million, Mark. This is the easiest doctor chair I ever sat in, I think. (laughs) Thank you for listening to my podcast, In the Doctor's Chair. For further resources to support you to live with more vitality, please visit my website, drmarkrow.com.